0: There are things that just can't be explained in this world. Whether it's a ghost encounter, some sort of unexplained phenomenon going on in the woods, strange lights, strange sounds, whatever you may think, it's all gonna happen in this episode here. Welcome back to the swamp my friends and welcome if you are new. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true unexplained horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, please be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, Let's jump right into these creepy, and allegedly true, unexplained horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. My Grandparents' New Home by Scotty When I was around four or five, my grandparents bought an empty lot beside my home and built the house. They picked that lot so they could live next to us but later I discovered my grandmother had chosen it for uh, different reasons. A thick mass of trees was behind my house and the lot my grandmother had bought, there was a well in those woods. Children had slipped, fallen into that well long ago and died, I'm not sure how many. There used to be a cabin on that land at some point. There was minimal trace of it still, only an outline of stone out in the trees. Why did they insist on it being the exact location there was plenty of space everywhere else. She never really explained why the history of the place caused her to build there. She just felt that it called to her. I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house. They were unusual people to say the least. They were Catholic, but had a strange obsession with the supernatural. My grandmother would drive for hours, miles upon miles, to buy dolls that were supposed to be haunted. Mind you, This was in the early 1990s, she didn't have the internet at the time, so she had to find out about these dolls by word of mouth and the contacts she had. She was obsessed with those dolls. She lived in a larger two-story house, but people rarely used the second story. She had transformed the two upstairs bedrooms into spirit bedrooms, at least that's what she called them. They had beds, dresses, and toys they looked just like standard bedrooms. I was allowed to go up there and play. Heck, I even slept up there sometimes. I never heard or saw anything whenever I was in those rooms either. Whenever I was playing or sleeping, nothing. But when I was downstairs, I'd listen to all kinds of noises coming from those rooms. Lots of laughter and children playing. Sometimes the bedroom doors would lock themselves from the inside then magically unlock later. When I got older, My grandmother told me of her experience with demons and how she had even been attacked by one. She even claimed that when she was younger, the devil himself had entered her bedroom. I never knew what to make of her stories, but she always stuck to them. She claimed that my grandfather had let them into their lives years ago, and that she just learned to adjust. I never knew who she was referring to, but I assumed she meant demons. My grandfather did some things, but I never got the whole story. Since both of my grandparents are dead now, I don't think I ever will. My Haunted House Stories by Blue-Eyed Devil Since I was a kid, my sixth sense has always been spot on. I'm very good at reading others' energy. I have guts and feelings that are hardly ever wrong, and I have dreams about things that have yet to happen. So when weird, unexplainable things happen, I usually shrug it off and do my business. So about 12 years ago, my spouse, oldest daughter, and I moved into a two-story condo. Each building was four condos side by side. The first time seeing the apartment, we did a walkthrough, I didn't really have any gut feelings or pick up any nasty negative energy. So a week later, my spouse and I were moving our belongings into the new place. I suddenly get hit with anxiety, nervousness, and fear as I go upstairs. I tried to push the feelings away, chalking it up to moving and being in a new place. After a couple of weeks, the feelings hadn't gone away entirely, and I was scared of going upstairs by myself and refused to do it. Then, our daughter started waking up in the middle of the night, screaming like someone was trying to murder her. One of those nights, I went into her room to retrieve her, Fear and panic overcame me to the point that my daughter and I would be harmed if I didn't leave the room at that moment. From that night on, any time I went to lie my daughter down after putting her to sleep, she would instantly wake up and cry for me to pick her up. Then my spouse and I would hear loud footsteps going up or down the stairs, all hours of the night, only to get up and, you guessed it, no one was there. We also saw shadows moving and items missing, and searched the entire condo only to return and find them where we had left them. After eight months of living there, my spouse got a new job, and we did eventually move to a new city. After moving into our new place, another two-story condo not long after we settled in, weird and unexplainable things started happening. My daughter at the time was only three, and I would wake up at all hours of the night to find her having full-blown conversations with no one. Our sliding closet doors would open by themselves after I knew they were closed. One morning, I was getting ready for work. I was the only one there when four different toys in my daughter's room started going off. The cycle went on three or four times before I got so scared and ran out of the condo and finished getting ready at work. Not long after this happened, we had to move to another place because the neighbor's water heater flooded the bottom part of the condo. When packing up my daughter's room, I couldn't find any of the toys making the sounds from that day. In our new place, after getting settled, I started getting the feeling of being watched and someone standing behind me all the time. On several occasions, I had a bedroom and laundry door slam in my face right as I was ready to walk into them. Of course, there wasn't anyone around that could have done it. The most terrifying thing that happened to me there, my daughter and I were in my bed, She was in a profound sleep when all of a sudden, she sat up, looked me dead in the eyes, and proceeded to tell me about my deceased father, whom she had never met or knew anything about. When she was done, she lay back down and went back to sleep like nothing had ever happened. When I asked her about it the following day, she didn't even remember doing it. Later, that same night, I'm having a little intense nightmare that I somehow managed to wake myself up from only to feel someone or something grab me around my ankle, almost jerking me off the bed. Whatever it was only had three fingers and sharp nails digging into my skin. Looking at my ankle, I could see the indentations from where the nails were digging. We have since moved again, and whatever was following or attached to me or us is still around. Blessed items are placed around our house to form a protective barrier. It seemed to be doing the trick for now. But things are starting up again, and honestly, I'm at my wits' end with all of it. I would appreciate anyone who could point me in the right direction or help me with this situation. I'm sorry if this story wasn't as scary as the rest of them, but this is my life currently. Hellhound Activity by Death Raptor Gamer Hey Swamp Dweller, I will first say that this is not my first story here, as I've had experiences with the supernatural before this. For some context, I am an 18-year-old male student at a government-funded trade school on the Pacific coast of the United States, and these occurrences have been going on since before I even arrived on campus. First, I will state that no wolves, coyotes, or stray dogs are near the campus. But we do get a large number of wildlife like black-tailed deer, bald eagles, crows, gulls, raccoons, and other small critters. My first experience with this entity was around two months ago while living in my first dorm room, close to midnight. The room was the last in the hall and the large window faced the thick forest surrounding the campus. One night while I was lying in bed while my roommate was asleep next to me, I heard an odd sound coming from the hallway outside of our room. It sounded like claws clacking against the tile floor, which I was used to hearing as my parents had a dog back at home whose feet would clack on the hardwood floor. These sounded much heavier though, and put me on edge as we weren't allowed to have dogs on center, and that went for the staff as well. And like I said earlier, there are no wild canids here, so this was utterly bizarre to me. Where and why were these footfalls occurring? And in the building itself, how was it possible? I was deeply concerned, so I woke my roommate up and explained what I had heard. I thought he wouldn't believe me, but surprisingly, he did. You heard it too, he said, as I opened the door and looked into the hallway, only to find nothing there. I remember asking him what he meant, and he proceeded to explain how he had heard the same clacking at least three times around the same time and he even described hearing deep howls echoing in the night. We began discussing and hypothesizing on what we were both experiencing and concluded that we were both somehow in some sort of circle of a hellhound activity. After ruling out all plausible and natural possibilities, our campus has a rich history of tragedy and loss. From homicides to suicides all within the past 90 years of our campus, which we felt was attracting negative entities, like our suspected howhound onto the center. I then began asking around after determining our culprit, trying to see if anyone else had encountered or had an experience with what we had dubbed the hound. A surprising number of people had experienced the activity that we did, and even a guy who had seen it. By the time I finished asking around, I had at least 12 individuals from the dorms who had experiences with the hound. I wrapped up our investigation, and things returned to normal for about a week until the weekend rolled around. I was lying in bed again with the window open when I finally heard the sound. I had been anticipating since my roommate explained the howls he had heard. It was a howl, deep and guttural, just like the one he had described. I told my roommate in the morning, and he believed me, telling me He'd even been awake and heard it too. I have even consulted my fiancé about this, and they're pretty determined that we're not making stuff up. But they look at things from a critical scientific standpoint. She came up with something short of determining the identity of what we experienced. But I'm pretty sure this is still a hellhound, or at least maybe some sort of ghost dog. But me and my roommate, we've moved out of that room. And now we don't experience these things anymore. University Ghost Experiences by Anonymous This happened a while ago but still haunts me. I really don't know how to compartmentalize it. And if I hadn't had a friend with me who saw and experienced the exact same thing, I would chalk it up to something I imagined. I'll keep my name and my friend's name out of this story, as I don't want notoriety for it. but. I would like to explain exactly where it happened, as I would love to hear if anyone else has experienced anything similar to what my friend and I experienced that night. This happened back on October 13th, 1988. It was cold, and it was a Thursday evening. My friend and I had been at the University of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls, Iowa since August and it was our freshman year. We lived in some of the oldest dorms on campus her in Lothar Hall, and me in Bartlett Hall. We were just out for a walk after finishing studying and we both felt like wandering and exploring. My friend had heard that they were working on making a haunted house in Lothar, and that some of her friends were working on it, so we decided to try and find where it was happening. Neither of us were awfully familiar with the full layout of the hall, so we were just kind of bumbling around seeing what we could see. Apparently the haunted house was being made in the attic, so we made our way up the stairs to the highest level. However, the large doors at the very top of the center stairwell were locked and had dark fabric hanging from them on the other side. We could not hear anyone talking or moving on the other side, so we figured we would check out the floor below it. Down to the next floor, we found a very quiet floor with dorm rooms, and the width of the center stairwell was where a fire door was up to the right. And to the left, there was another fire door, but the door on the left looked older and was painted wood, not steel like the other. A quick look through the door to the right showed us a continuation of the hallway and more dorm rooms. Walking over to the door on the left, we noticed that there was a bathroom door to the left of the wooden door. This will be important later. I tried the handle on the door, and it would not turn. Believing it to be locked, I figured that was the end of exploring that floor. As I was turning away, I heard a metallic sound and my friend gasped in surprise. She said she grabbed the knob and then it turned in her hand the opposite direction she was going to turn it, and then she pulled away from it. I turned around quickly to see her now looking into a dark room with a now partially open door my friend carefully pushed the door open wider and walked in looking around for a light switch she had walked in far enough that i could no longer see her very well and i looked along the left hand side of the door frame for a light switch finding nothing at what i felt would be the normal height for a switch i arced my arm wider and found an antiqued style switch that it was about head height just as i was about to flip the switch the light came on but instinctively, I still flipped the switch, shutting them back off again. Again, my friend gasped, and I flipped the switch back, turning the lights back on. She had found another switch on a large timber pillar farther into the room. Looking around, we saw a large room, easily 100 feet long and 40 to 50 feet wide. There were two large dark wood staircases that crisscrossed each other that led up to a loft area that lined the walls. Large windows lined the room as well as old-style hospital beds from the early 1900s. There was also an old-style wheelchair that looked like it had old ECG machines or something on it. On the other far end of the room, there was another door like the one we had entered, and there was light coming from under the door. While we were both fascinated by the room, something just felt wrong, like we were not supposed to be there. We both just left without saying much and just assumed that might be part of the setup for the halloween house much later my friend was talking to another one of her friends about the haunted house and asked how the hospital set ties into the whole thing she was met with a blank stare long story short this leads her to ask me what i remember about the room i mentioned the large windows we looked off on the side of Lothar hall could find no such windows I suggested to my friend that we look to possibly find some sort of blueprints or maybe we can look for the door again, but we were never able to find it. We explored everywhere, but upon us finding this set of windows that kinda looked like it, we looked into it and we could see that there was nowhere near enough room to have a second floor loft and large windows like we saw. We tried doing research to find out if Lothar Hall ever had a room like that. And maybe tore it down but no luck in 1991 we got the help of a couple of resident assistants to get us a key to check out what was on the other side of that door entering now the low pitched ceilings tiny alcoves with small windows and lots of junk and storage wandering farther into the back of the attic storage space we found several the hospital bed frame heads and footboards in a much greater state of decay the wheelchair and the machine thing all covered in thick dust and cobwebs, I don't know, what was, what was happening that day, I don't know if we stumbled upon some alternate dimension, maybe some portal slip in time, I have no idea, maybe it was another timeline, another universe, I don't know, but I just remember how things felt so wrong when we stumbled into that room, I wondered what would have happened if we stayed there too long, and where we would be now. My Mother's Childhood Trauma by Anonymous This story happened to my mom back when she was just 10 years old and forced to live with her grandparents as her mother couldn't afford to raise all four siblings. She moved to a small town in Guatemala, outside of the capital city. Every night, she was sent to collect buckets of water from the sink located in the back of the house as it was the main source of water for them. No one lived in this house, so it was always empty. The walk from the main house was about a five-minute walk, so that should have been an easy chore turned into a nightmare. This is when her encounters with La Shinhuanaba began. The first time she saw her, it was pitch dark, and at first everything seemed normal. at the time, they had no electricity and so she carried an oil lamp with one hand to light the way. It was about 10 p.m., and as she approached the sink, she stopped dead in her tracks. Alone in the dark appeared a white glowing figure standing a couple of feet away from her. The figure didn't move or say a word. It just stood there. Absolutely appalled, she stood frozen as shivers ran through her body. She couldn't move or scream. She wanted to run, but was filled with fear, and became inanimate. The figure was a beautiful, tall slender woman, with shiny long hair who wore a white dress and had hooves as feet. Her face was hidden, but she knew it wasn't human, it was in that moment. She realized, it was it was real, it was not a myth. The tales described to her as a child of a supernatural creature that takes the form of a gorgeous woman who would lure men or a woman away before revealing her true face, a horse or human skull. Desperately, she closed her eyes as she knew she couldn't face her. Panicking, she grabbed her cross necklace and silently prayed for five minutes until the coldness left her body. Slowly, she opened her eyes again and nervously inspected her surroundings. The witch had vanished. She walked rapidly but cautiously towards the sink and collected what she needed. Then she ran back to the house and didn't tell a soul. For the next five years she would relive this nightmare every single night. It was dreadful for her to walk outside as she knew what was waiting for her. She would always present herself with the long beautiful white hair in the same spot and same time. All my mother could do was close her eyes and pray repeatedly. Until the figure was gone. She never told her grandparents or anyone what she was witnessing, though. It wasn't until she turned fifteen, when she moved back with her mother to Guatemala City, that everything stopped. I think we saw aliens by Anonymous. this story takes place on a lake in central new hampshire just a few miles north of the base of mount kisargay my friend has a cabin there and his grandfather built it shortly after returning from the second world war and one warm summer night between my junior and senior years of high school he and i were there just hanging out while we did drink and partake in the ganja from time to time we were not intoxicated in any way on this night We had simply been bored in our little hometown about 30 miles or approximately 48 kilometers to the south, so on a whim one evening, we decided to drive up and spend the night there to light a fire and sit by the water on the beach chairs and enjoy the nighttime t-shirt and swimming trunks weather while it lasted. I would say it was around 9 or 10 p.m., and we had gotten up to inspect his grandfather's old canoe that laid upside down atop the wooden dock because we wanted to use it the next day to head to the Lone Island to look for loon nests and try to catch some catfish. As we walked to the dock from where we had been sitting, I gazed across the lake at Mount Kirsarge. The mountain has a height of 2,937 feet or 895 meters and a prominence of 2,080 feet or 630 meters. So, since it was basically 2,000 feet straight up from our position, As we were only a couple of miles from its summit, it was quite an imposing figure in the night sky. Now, the mountain has a tower on the peak that flashes a red light at night. There is only one light, and it is red. I had seen it many times before. It was just a fact, however, as I followed my friend to the dock that I noticed there were more than two lights on this night. In addition to the usual red flashing light, there was a second, yellowish-orange orb to its right, Essentially equidistant in height. It was not moving, flashing, pulsating, nothing. It just hung there, motionless in the night sky. I told my friend, who was immediately interested, and so we were both just stood there, transfixed for a while before he asked me what the hell I thought it was. I would have immediately considered a helicopter, but it was just so still and silent. After just a few moments of silent staring, We both shrugged our shoulders and continued down to the canoe at the end of the dock. We inspected it for a while, placing it in the lake to check for leaks, and decided that it was good to go, which was exciting, as we were really looking forward to getting on the water. After lugging it back to the original resting position, I turned to my right and bent down to wash the cobwebs off my fingers in the lake. As I was doing this, I returned my gaze to the mountain, and to my amazement, there were now two identical orbs, one on either side of the red flashing light. I smacked my friend across the shoulder and told him to look up, and again, we just stared transfixed, albeit this time a little more anxiety-ridden. What the hell? My friend said, with a bit of fear creeping into his voice. Without averting our gaze, we backpedaled to our chairs and began discussing possibilities. It is important to note that both of us were science-believing realists, and still are to this day. We both accepted the distinct possibility that we, humanity, were most likely not alone in this never-ending galaxy, let alone the universe. Something, all the grains of sand on Earth, you know, the old Carl Sagan adage, so as we sat, discussing both the Fermi Paradox and the likelihood that it was just some sort of temporary, human-made thing going on top of the mountain something happened. Before our eyes, one of the orbs slowly descended below the backside of the mountain and out of sight. I am sorry, I know I am no aeronautical engineer or anything, but I know what a helicopter looks like when it descends an elevation. This was not like that at all. It sunk down and out of sight in less than just a few seconds, very smoothly, all without making any lateral movement whatsoever. We were stunned. But before we had time to wallow in this feeling or think that we could have possibly seen something unnatural, the other orb took off from its position. It did not gain or lose any elevation, it just took off horizontally at breakneck speed and began to make its way around the edge of the lake. It was not until the light was about halfway between its starting point and our position that we began to consider that it might be heading straight for us. We stood still at the shore and followed the objects with our eyes. Out of sheer curiosity and without speaking, we both made an unconscious decision to wait and see what would happen. I mean, what else were we supposed to do? At no point did we talk or look at each other, we just stood there, watching. Without leaving you in suspense for too long, the object did eventually arrive to where we were, and upon its arrival, it slowed to a crawl and crept over us at a snail's pace. It was big. Not stereotypically mothership big, but big. I do not know exactly, but if I had to estimate, I would say it was about 50 meters in length by 30 meters in width. It was shaped like a fat cigar and had two or three rows of orange lights on its bottom. I cannot tell you what my friend was doing or how he was reacting at this time, for I was entranced. I remember thinking that I had never had an opportunity to view something like this, and I probably would never get another chance again. It was a a once-in-a-lifetime experience, so I stared intensely, examining anything and everything about it that I could. Unfortunately, there were not many details that I could make out, only its approximate dimensions and the rows of lights. It made no real sounds aside from what I perceived to be a very, very faint humming. There were no beams of light shooting down at us or anything like that. We stood in the pitch blackness of the late New Hampshire night and I remember preparing myself for something to happen to us. But as far as I know, nothing ever did. As soon as it had crept its way past us, it took off as fast as it had appeared, up into the night sky and out of sight. At that point, I shot my head back across the lake towards the mountain. There was nothing but the normal, flashing red light remaining. All appeared to be back to normal. I do not think we said anything to each other aside from let's get out of here, or something to that effect before grabbing what little we had brought with us and hightailing it back to my friend's car. We drove the 30 miles back to our hometown, purchased some snacks at the convenience store, and returned to his house where we proceeded to set up the same beach chairs that we had brought with us to the lake in his backyard, where we stayed up for most of the night, talking about what the hell we had just seen. For the next few weeks, my mind had hardly focused on anything else. I told my parents at some point, but they sort of just laughed it off, telling me that it must have been a helicopter or something like that. And after their reaction, I decided not to tell anyone else. Not until I was older and gave no crap about what people would think of me. It was only then that I began to tell my trusted friends about what happened that night. My friend and I have since parted ways. We live across an ocean from each other now and talk from time to time. In fact, it has been a few years since one of us brought it up. However, sitting here and writing this down, it just now made me want to reach out and talk with him again. I know what I saw, and it was not constructed by humanity. We do not have that sort of technology, at least, not that we know of. And if we do, there is far more hidden from the average citizen of the Earth than I thought possible. But I am digressing into conspiracy theories now, and that is a path that I try not to go down. The fact is that the possibility that we are alone in the universe is so microscopically small. Consider this. There are billions of planets out there that are much, much older than Earth. All it would take is one of them to have developed intelligent life a few million years before us, giving them a massive head start in the development and technology scheme that would allow them to create machines that could do what these objects are. Thank you for sharing my story, Swamp Dweller. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true unexplained horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to slap up that like button and be sure to subscribe if you're new as it helps us out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it and the more subscribers the channel gets, it helps us grow. We're very close to 300,000. I'd love to see that by the end of summer. Anyways, thank you guys so much for supporting the swamp the way you do if you're on the go but don't have youtube premium you want to download and listen to your favorite swamp dweller scary stories no matter where you are you can download them absolutely free from spotify apple podcast google podcast and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online if you made it all the way to the end i really appreciate you i'd love to know what story was your favorite tonight as it helps me pick out better ones in the future for you guys if you have a story that you would like to share, again, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net, the email in the description, or you can even send it in on Reddit at r thedarkswamp.